What is crackalackin', everybody? My name is Patrick. I'm joined today by Josh and Mitchell for the Main Stand podcast. We have a special guest with us, too. His name is Justin. He's an Arsenal fan, and we're going to cry with him on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. Action-packed episode today. We got, we're introducing a new segment at the end of our uh, weekly review <laughs> and preview. Uh, we are going to do some Arsenal fan therapy. Let Justin uh, cry for you. It's needed. It won't be crying. It's just me venting and then coming to terms with the downfall of something that shouldn't ruin my mood as much as Arsenal does. <laughs> uh, so with that little intro out of the way, the deadline has passed us the transfer window is closed we had a buzzing couple of days leading up to the deadline uh biggest news josh what happened well uh i'd probably say the biggest news is you know cr7 going back to manchester um thought he was going to go to city he pretty much ruined our podcast title last week uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah. titles Ronaldo crossing Manchester and uh yeah no he goes to United the next day and pretty much made our podcast you're right, you're obsolete, halfway, but I mean yeah uh it, it's insane I mean I think him going back it's uh not necessarily what United needed but it's probably the second biggest transfer of the summer bar Lionel Messi um kind of makes Cavani obsolete at Man United but gives them a very good world-class attacking option that I think makes them a pretty big threat for the Premier League title this year. I, I still Ab- think ultimately absolutely. they needed a defensive midfielder, but yeah. yeah, that was, I think the whole thing is funny. I think someone needs to give Mendez more money than he already makes because he played <laughs> both sides of Manchester like a fiddle. He was like, yeah, City need a striker. Hey, we'll give you guys Ronaldo. And all the while, he was like, yo, United, you're really just going to let this guy go to City? And then United were like, all right, we'll just pay the money. And then lo and behold. There's some theories behind that, though. Do you think that that was a play by the agent to be like, hey, we want to go to United, so we're going to show City a little bit of interest, knowing that uh, United are going to you know, fall for that and put in a bid afterwards? Because you know, I listened to Rio Ferdinand on Friday – him saying he rang Ronaldo, you know, straight after he heard the news saying, like, what are you doing? Do you think that was kind of planned from Mendez to be a little bit like, <laughs> let's just get United's attention, get a money move back to the Premier League? It absolutely was, 100%. I, I was like, it seemed like it was happening, but in the back of my mind, I always kind of felt like it never was. So I'm not yeah. – super surprised that we didn't land him it would have been hilarious if we did but at the end of the day i'm not like wow i can't believe that happened yeah i would agree with that it was a shocking shocking like 24 hour whirlwind like i was with our buddy cameron um who is our resident united fan and you know he was agitated for sure hearing the city reports and then we go to bed the next morning we wake up and and Ronaldo's red again so it's just like it it was a whirlwind kind of 12 to 24 hours with that um and the counteracting move was uh you know 
United needing a defensive player, they deal Daniel James to Leeds. Um, what do we think he's going to do under Bielsa? I think oh, so Bielsa's wanted him for a yeah. while, right? Yeah. And I think there was one year when before I think they got promoted, they tried really hard to get Daniel James. Uh, I think if you watch the documentary they did with Amazon, there was like at one point he was at Swansea and they're at Leeds and a lot of the Leeds fans were like chanting like Daniel James wants to come here. And then the move never happened for some reason. I don't remember why, but now they saw an opportunity to get him, and I think he's going to help them a little bit. I don't particularly think Daniel James is that good, but I think he'll do better under Bielsa because he'll get more opportunities than he got under Solskjaer yeah. at United. So that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah I think his style of play it. fits leads a little bit more as well. I mean, he's just a fast player and that fits Bielsa's system, especially yeah. out on the wing. Yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities on the break with them. Uh, I just don't – yeah, you, you heard what I had to say. I don't think he's amazing, but I think he'll do fine there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some uh, yeah, some players have gone to Leeds and, like, have kind of, like, reignited their careers. Like, Patrick Bamford's one of them where, like, he true. was just kind of all over the place. And then he found the home there. Um, but, yeah, who knows? Like, whenever talking about transfers, it's always, like, just all this speculation stuff of how they're going to do. It really depends on how they really get on. A lot of shoulder shrugs and maybes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of, of shoulder things. shrugs and maybes, Tamiyasu to Arsenal, Justin. How do you feel about that? I for I'm going to talk about transfer window when I talk about a uh, therapy session. Um, but out of all the signings, this is the one I think that ticks literally all the boxes for Arteta because he the way he likes to play, he likes to have tyranny run up and have the right back kind of like stay back which is why Bellerin kind of got dropped a little bit and then he was playing Chambers a lot more because Chambers is a bigger defender and like would stay back and this dude does almost all those qualities and is a better passer and also he's obsessed with center backs I don't know why we're obsessed with center backs um but when I saw that we signed him he was like he could play right back and then Arteta said he can do both and he fits everything he needs in the system. And I like that he's 22. Also, I, Japanese players are cool. Like, I always love it when they get signed in the prem. I think uh, Josh and I can agree with the, uh, the Taki Minamino yeah. signing. It's, Taki it's Minamino just, is my guy. It's, <laughs> um, so, uh, you, you did mention Bellerin. We, we had some Bellerin news. He's moved over to Real Batis or Batiste. Yes. Um, do you think that's a good move move for him out out of Arsenal? I think so. He wanted to leave like a year or two ago, and then he had an agreement with uh, Arteta, like, "Hey, like I'll stay this year. I know you need like depth, um, so I'll stay. But if if I want to move later on, like you're not going to stop that." And Arteta's like, "Yeah, whatever. Like we'll do it." And then I wish Daniel Levy felt like that. Yeah. Uh, could you imagine? Um, the thing is, though, we could have sold Bellerin to PSG like a season two ago and could have made some money off of him. But this is just a straight loan deal because we have like 20 right backs. Um, I think it's a good move for him. Uh, his dad, it was a big rail, but he's fan and he seems really happy. I think it's time to move on. I love him as a person. Like I thought he was me captain one day, but I think he'll do great and kind of make room for 
whoever wants to play right back for us. <laughs> Somebody. I, I'm kind of surprised by the move. Yeah. Honestly, I thought he'd go probably closer to Italy or Milan just to be closer to yeah. Fashion Week, but uh, yeah, there was surprised. Inter was linked with him for a while because when they lost Sakimi, uh, they were like, "All right, perfect." Uh, Arsenal want to get rid of Bellerin. We could take Bellerin. And then at some point, they're like, we can't buy anybody because we have no money. Uh, so <laughs> then they started selling everybody. Um, so that move kind of died down. I did. Uh, there was also talks of him going to AC Milan for like a brief bit because Gazidis was like, I know you. So that was kind of their transfer strategy for a second. Um, yeah, I had to throw that shot in there really quick. <laughs> we got a couple of uh, <laughs> other other big moves. Um, Aurier. Uh, and Tottenham agreed to mutually terminate uh, his contract. Um, Pat, Josh, what are your thoughts on that? I saw today that he might be going to Arsenal. Uh, I no, saw some I, rumors I that think would be Pat, so no. funny. That I would don't be want. So I saw some rumors. I just I, I got to put that out there. He might be crossing London, uh, turning red. He might. I think he's kind of past it, but oh, hundred percent. Like. I think he had like maybe one good season at Spurs. And then even before, like we were linked to sign him before he went to Tottenham. And I kind of wanted it to happen. And then after like watching him play, I was like, we're good. I don't know. I'd pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so out of Chelsea, we have uh, the, the move of Zuma to West Ham. Uh, and they also were able to solidify a loan deal for Saul. Um, I think those are two big, big moves to, to kind of keep a, a lookout, both for West Ham. I think Zuma's a huge pickup for them. Um, it's only going to make their defensive line stronger. And with, with the way they've been playing up top, I think that just makes them um, a much more solid, stable team. Um, and then Saul, uh, I think he's a, a weapon that Chelsea are going to look to employ on this loan deal. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting. Yeah, to see I if think Chelsea West Ham that the best out of so we'll sorry to cut you off, Josh. No, you're good. Uh I think the Zuma move is really intriguing for West Ham. Like you said, it just makes their back line stronger. With Saul, I think people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves where I don't think he's been that good for the past 18 months. Uh he is still very young and under a different system. I think he could still flourish, but he hasn't really had the best last you know, like I said, 18 months. So it is something to, I think Chelsea are probably going to work him in a little bit slower. And I don't know if he gets, uh, you know, off to a flyer in the first year, like a lot of people are thinking he will. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, like what I was, what I was trying to say before I realized that I don't know how to wait my turn is uh, I'm interested <laughs> to see if, if Chelsea are going to be able to get the best out of Seoul. Cause like you mentioned, Josh hadn't been amazing. I mean, clearly the, the flashes of talent are still there. He's clearly a good player. Uh, I'm just interested to see if uh, Chelsea can kind of pull like the really the good quality out of him. Um, Speaking of quality and Atletico Madrid and also comedy, because those are three things this (laughs) podcast are very much about. um, Barcelona not being able to afford to pay Griezmann money. So they just loaned him back to Atletico. (laughs) They just said, yeah, we can't do that. Um, do you guys want him back? And Atletico were like, yeah, sure, we'll take him. I think he's going to have a, a great season. Uh, I'm really excited to see him link up with Suarez. I am very, very excited to see that. Um, I just I, – I think Atletico is a, a good fit for him right now, uh, especially yeah. 
especially with you know i feel like atletico is like on a moral high right now like they're kind of they're kind of flowing on all cylinders the the players are happy to be playing there um so i think griezmann coming in getting a little bit more of that you know attention uh the fans are going to be excited to see him uh back there so I, i i think he'll end up having a pretty good year um Kind of a, if I can chime in on that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Makes it, it very scary for for Liverpool's game with them in the Champions League. Honestly, the way Griezmann and Suarez are so, it feels like they're going to be really complementary to each other. Where Griezmann, uh, they never really figured out how to play him at Barcelona. I think he's going to be more of that hold up player at at back at Atletico, and Suarez is going to be the one kind of you know driving through, making those runs. I think they're going to be really hard to defend now. Um, but sadly I had to get that news from Atletico Madrid and, and other sources because Barcelona uh, still blocks me on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, Bellens. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Let's re re let's bring it back. Um, couple, couple more big, uh, big kind of ticket items. Uh, in the transfer window, and then we'll move on to our winners and losers. Um, Boateng uh, has made a move to Lyon. Um, and then I, I believe these are pretty recent reports, but Pjanic is going to Besiktas. Um, so those are kind of oh, two. really? Wow. Yeah, two crazy, <laughs> crazy names uh, to come in near the, the back half of the, the transfer window. And then my personal favorite, just for, for the memes, um, Saito Barahino to Sheffield Wednesday. I love that he is back <laughs> in England. He is going to elevate Sheffield Wednesday to the premiership. <laughs> You I'm heard really, it here first. I'm a really big fan of these Ooh. just like scalding hot, like your <laughs> <laughs> takes from you, Mitchell. We got Fiorentina finishing the in the top six, and we got Sheffield Wednesday yeah. getting back to the Prem. It's going to happen. Um, Mark my words. I think Pianic to Besiktas is another one of those Barcelona can't afford to pay him any money moves. And I think Boateng has not been a very good defender uh, for a little bit now. Uh, he oh, started totally. to decline after Messi turned him inside out. <laughs> and he's just never looked the same player. Um, you had to throw that. You had to throw that in. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're two interesting moves for sure. I think uh, Leon are not a bad side, and I'm curious to see if Boateng can find his feet a little bit there, maybe bring a little bit of a, of a senior element to their back line, a little bit of leadership or something. And then uh, Pjanic is a baller. He's not a bad player at all. So I'm interested to just, you know, see him do his thing over in Turkey. I mean, it's just another big name to join another big club in the, in the champions league. It's, it's like somebody pressed the SIM button on a, on a uh, fantasy draft and we're <laughs> going in with fresh, fresh 11s. Uh, it's like, Oh, I know. I, I know think this one week. <laughs> I Go think ahead, one Josh. we missed out on there in the middle was uh, Eduardo Camavinga to Real Madrid. That was one that oh, surprised yeah, me. Oh, yeah, wow, to... yeah, <laughs> I thought he was personally going to go to Man United or PSG. Uh, young, holding, French midfielder. I think we all know he's going to be class, right? Hopefully. Mbappe he's what, 18? Not happening. 
uh, yeah and Mbappe not going to Real that's that's kind of I feel like that's kind of like similar to to like City holding out on Kane and then it just kind of falling apart I know the the financial discrepancy there but um I I just I thought it was gonna be a lock you know it's one of those things where Mbappe, I think the messy move influenced Mbappe a lot to stay there a little bit longer, see how how well he uh, does in that squad, um, and see how he can develop under a guy like Messi, and then move on and be that star player. I think we talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I think uh, on the first one, I'm trying to think it was Pat that said like, if you're Mbappe, why not just play with Messi for a year, and then you have like a year left. Or I think he, I think his contract runs out. Um, but then, like, why would you miss the opportunity of playing with Messi and Neymar? Like, even if it's just for exactly. a year. Like, um, so it's totally understandable. Like, it's and on the Real Madrid side, uh, I know I kind of shit on Spanish teams a little bit sometimes, especially Barcelona and Real Madrid. But it's for a good reason, and it's because of moments like this where. Florentino Perez was just crying wolf a couple of months ago when the Super League was going in oh, saying yeah. you know, Real Madrid needs more money. We're broke. Football can't go on like this. And then you're willing to pay 200 million pounds for a player you can get for free in six months on a pre. So that's why I give these teams so much stick is because you have these two Spanish giants that just they always want to cry wolf, but they're always going to be willing to spend. I, I thought getting him now is just silly. Yeah. I also think it was interesting too, because like at, earlier in the window, they're like, we need to sell all these players. Like they sold Varane for like pretty cheap, like considering like his stature. And then they let us, we bought Odegaard for someone who like, he didn't really have the best loan at the start, but he's still 22, captain of Norway. Like he was still considered part of their like big future plans. Got him for like 30. And there's I think still it was closer to 40. The, yeah. And then they let Ramos, Ramos go. Like they, I still don't know what's going on with Real Madrid. Like, it's, it's weird. They say what they say one thing, do one thing, and then I don't know. They I think they're still think they have this whole Galactico image that they had like a couple years ago, and I think now with Barcelona and Real Madrid kind of struggling a little bit, that they're looking to kind of get back to where they are. And I don't know if it's going to happen in this current COVID market. I don't think so, and I I think we're. I think we're all kind of eyeing the winter transfer window now. Um, yeah. It's just, it's like, what's going to happen? What are, what are the ramifications going to be over the next few months? Uh, what, what oh, are the right. tables going to look like around boxing day, Christmas time. And uh, I, I think we're going to see some big, big name players move uh, again um, this winter, but uh, to and wrap up yeah. the, the transfer window and the, the deadline day, um, what are our winners and losers? Josh, we'll start with you on the on the winners. Yeah, yeah. so if you guys don't mind, I'm going to do mine um, at the same time just because it's the same yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, Man United's a winner and a loser in this window because I think if you look at their window as a whole, Varane, Jaden Sancho, and Ronaldo, uh, a lot of Man United fans who are storming the pitch, uh, you know, back in the spring are probably going to be backing the, the owners now. Uh, I think it's a great window. Um, not only from a business standpoint with signing, uh, obviously a young player like Jaden Sancho, but, um, two huge players in Veron and Ronaldo, especially bringing Ronaldo back home. 
from a business standpoint, it's a no brainer. And it's, uh, you know, if not the most brilliant window, uh, PSG would probably be number one, uh, Man United's a close second, but they're also the losers because they didn't get their biggest need, which like Pat said earlier was a six. Um, they're still playing Fred and Scott McTominay in that kind of double pivot, which I do not think is going to win a premier league, no matter if you have Ronaldo, Messi and Neymar up top. That's just my opinion. Uh, they didn't address their biggest need, but at the same time you have to address that, uh, you know, they got three serious, serious players. And I think that also needs to be applauded. Couldn't agree with you more. Justin, what about you? Um, I think United did a really good job. I think they definitely needed someone to help McGuire because Maguire on his like standalone self did not look good at all. Like, and getting someone who has won a bunch of Champions League, uh, he played with Ramos, has that experience. This is, I think, this is a really good move for Varane. Um, Sancho, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how he's going to like fit into the team because they have a pretty crowded attack as it is, and I'm just here for the Ronaldo, uh, Bruno little mini arguments on the pitch see who's going to take the pen uh, take the pens probably fight to the death for it <laughs> oh totally <laughs> sword um, fight i mean it has to be, it has to be ronaldo right like <laughs> who knows <laughs> man so i would like to share my transfer winner and loser here um the winner it's probably obvious it's psg I think PSG definitely had the best window out of any club in the world. Um, absolutely absurd. Just brought in talent all over the field. And they brought in Lionel Messi. Uh, made by <laughs> yeah. like $20 million in a day. So like financially, A1 on the field, A1. And also they retained Mbappe, which I think is like a really, really big thing that cannot be understated is they retained a player like that as well as brought in so much Um I'm hard pressed just to, you know, not just have them pegged as favorites for literally every competition they're playing in this year. Um, also, my uh, my winner of the window, I, I can't agree with you more. Um, defensive, midfield, and attacking, they they covered all the bases. Yeah, when them, Ramos, they went nuts. Yep, and then uh, my loser is Man City. Uh, spent $100 million on Grealish when all we really needed was a striker. Uh, we had a left back go to jail, didn't sign a left back. Uh, we were offered Nuno Mendez, did not take the chance at him. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm calling City the losers. Um, that being said, I do want to make a quick note because I think it's also too important to talk about who you didn't sell when talking about transfer windows at the start of the window. City had Laporte, Gabriel Jesus, and Bernardo Silva all wanted out uh didn't sell any of them and they've been three of our best performers to start the season off so i am happy that that happened as a fan of the club and i think it is good to you know give them a little praise for finding a way to retain those players uh but at the same time they didn't address literally the one need that they they had and they kind of got spun in circles by a bitter bitter bald man who didn't sell us? <laughs> I mean, you also gave uh, Diaz 
uh, Ruben Diaz an extension, didn't you? Yeah, and Ederson. We have Ederson and Diaz. Yeah, locking up with like core, like key components of your team. Like even though you did spend the cash on Grealish, and that like seeing how he's gonna get on, uh, we'll see how that goes. But you did also like reinforce pretty like what you have. Yeah, I mean, I think City I do, are fine yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, City. I think are one, once you fine. get a striker, though, it's. <laughs> It's fair in Torres season. We don't need one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so like I said, my, my winner also PSG. Um, my loser was, it was kind of tough. I, I was flip flopping between Liverpool and I ended up, you know, thinking about it a little more and I, I went with, uh, with Real Madrid. I, I think the net losses um uh, with Varane, uh, Ramos, Odegaard all leaving the club um, and then not being able to make the Mbappe move. Um, I think it just kind of exposes Real Madrid's weaknesses a little bit more. Um, this, Like Josh said a little bit earlier, the whole like crying wolf <laughs> with not having any money. Like it's just, it, it's kind of a joke. It, it sucks to see a club like Real Madrid be in a position like this. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do come winter time, but I don't know. I think, I think they and were they the transfer have, window losers for me. Yeah. And they still have Danny Ceballos, which is just never a good, never a good thing. To <laughs> no. <laughs> um, any last thoughts on, on transfer window deadline day? Um, I think, uh, I think you cued for me to do it, but I didn't do it. Um, my Chelsea, I think, I think they had the best window. Um, they just strength, they sold very well and they added very well. I think adding Lukaku, um, especially when they were kind of struggling with up top, like Havertz worked for a little bit, um, but I think Lukaku changes that whole team and how they attack. Uh, you already saw how he basically threw down Pablo Marie and scored on his debut. And then adding Saul and also just how they were able to sell these players that were not getting game time at all and able to make a profit, like getting Tammy Abraham to go to Roma and getting that much for them was like a really good move for both parties involved. And I just think they're, they reloaded very well and we're probably going to repeat either in the Champions League or at least make a real good run at the Premier League title. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, my losers, um, yeah, yeah, real yeah. Quick, is everyone, everyone in the German league that's not Bayern Munich because Bayern was able to snap up the best manager, uh, in the, in the division. Uh, they got a really good midfielder, uh, in Sabeltzer. And I just, it's so, everybody jokes that France has like the farmer league, but it's, it's a hundred percent the Bundesliga. It's and not even Sabitzer was dressed like a Bond villain. He's totally what. <laughs> It's like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Holland ends up there. Like, when they just move on from Lewandowski, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, you want to just come win a bunch of German titles and make runs in Champions League? Would you like It's this? insane that a club can just poach a club's manager, their captain, and their best defender in a single transfer window. A hundred percent, yeah. League. Like, I don't know. Ratings. I mean, I, yeah. Gotta love that. Bundesliga or bus, am I right? Well, that and like none of like they're really the only teams to really make like a bunch of like big signings. I don't really I don't think Dortmund made any. I'm trying to think. I know they sold Sancho. 
Um, but uh, Donnell Mallon from PSV. Yeah. Oh, we used to have him. Uh, he's good. But I felt like Germany is basically you either go to Bayern or you get poached by the like other top teams and across Europe. Um, so this past weekend, right before deadline day, we only, we, I, I feel like it was a pretty dull week again in the, in the Premier <laughs> League, aside from, you know, a couple of fixtures, um, obviously fourth most watched fixture in Premier League history in the U S is that, is that the way that's supposed to be said, Josh? Correct. Correct. Um, Liverpool, Chelsea. This was a frustrating game, I think, for everyone involved. Uh, 1-1 draw. We had Havertz head in a goal early to go 1-0 one up. One up. Uh, right before the second half, drama unfolded. Josh, you want to talk <laughs> about what happened with Reese James? Yeah, just to reiterate your point, it was kind of a weird um, start to the game. You know, a half six kickoff at Anfield. The you know the first game back at Anfield was half twelve, so uh, a little bit of a dull atmosphere. This one was a night game, so um, you know the fans were making noise, and then Havertz scores just kind of like a weird glanced header that just loops over Allison. So it, it just took all the energy out of the ground. And from the goal to about to the forty minute mark, it was a really weird. Um, kind of feeling in the game but uh you know late in the first half you get the feeling that Liverpool's pushing for a goal and uh they kind of have like a goal line scramble right when they bring Diogo Jota in for Bobby Firmino actually uh Matip kind of heads it off the crossbar scrambles across goal um Liverpool ends up putting a ball in and you know it comes off Reese James's thigh onto his arm um goes to VAR and he, he gets a red card ultimately. And a lot of people were up in arms about it. For me, it was the right decision. I think if he would have been three, four, five feet out in front of goal, that's a yellow card and a penalty. But I think when you're standing on the goal line and the ball hits your arm when it's going into the net, I think it's a red. I think it's a pretty straightforward call for me. The, the, and Mosul the, obviously inevitably scores the penalty. to tie I was nervous about that. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was Mendy standing in his face. I, like, I don't, there was, it was like a ball don't lie moment. I like, I was like, oh shit. Um, the ruling was correct. I mean, it was a, it was, it came off of his arm on the goal line and it, it denied an obvious goal scoring opportunity. I think the thing that was frustrating for me is if you're going to go to VAR, at least look at the angles, watch through the replay. He, the, the video was playing as, um, as the official was running up to the VAR monitor. And then it was a freeze frame. He looks at it for two seconds and then comes out and makes his decision. I think after, after the continuation of the freeze frame, you do see a little bit of that forward movement. It wasn't as natural from his arm. Um, obviously if you're stepping right, you're going to, you're going to go wide, but if you're on the goal line, you have to know where you are. You're not allowed to play the ball off your arm or your hand. I mean, we've seen what Luis Suarez did, and that was a ball don't lie moment. Yeah, but that's um, like a horrible comparison because Luis Suarez yeah, that, 
I, that was a hundred percent deliberate. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> he knew exactly he, what he was doing. He correct, but we know what happens when your arms are out and away from your body in that situation. Um, was it was it harsh? I think so. I, I think just the way it unfolded, it was just a weird situation. But the ruling ultimately was correct. Um, and I think the thing that's frustrating for Liverpool yeah. fans is you come out a man, a man up for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and you can't net the winning goal. You can't break the tie. Um, obviously Chelsea's going to come out and park the bus. They came out in a five, three, one. Um, and, and ultimately it withheld the Liverpool attack. Um, do you think that should have caused some red flags for a deadline day move? What, what do you think that that speaks to? Like, yeah, what is it? What story does that, that bring Liverpool, up? Yeah, I think that Liverpool did need an attacker in the window, whether that was, you know, Jeremy Doku, Jared Bowen from West Ham. Uh, I think there was someone in the window Liverpool could have got, especially Bobby Firmino going off with a hamstring injury. We don't know how serious that is. Um, now we're back to square one with three attackers and Origi's as our, our first option off the bench, which I don't think is ideal. Um, so that's the red flag it brings. But also, just the second half of that game, it was frustrating. I don't think it's like you have to go out and you know buy multiple players. It was a frustrating half more because we were getting shots and it felt like we were going to get the goal. And whenever you don't, it just leaves you with kind of that empty feeling. I do think... Uh, you know, Tuchel's defense has to be applauded. We have saw him control this Chelsea team and make them more conservative and fine-toothed at the back. And I thought Mendy was really good in goal too. He's so good at when crossing balls in, he'll come out five yards off his line and grab it clean. I thought he was really impressive in that way. He's aggressive, yeah. Um, He he definitely, his positioning, I think, and his ability to get his his just speed um, in – in the box is, is massive. And I think Mendy coming in to Chelsea has improved that side so much um, because we've, yeah. we've seen their goal goalkeeper woes over the last few years. So You're telling me done, like, yeah. isn't good. <laughs> yeah. Tuchel, I think is just, he's, I think that is such a good result for them. It's like you going down, the 10 men right at a half conceding penalty you're going against one of your like biggest rivals going up for the title and like to put the organize this team that quickly and to like show how you can play when you go down to 10 men and not be scared like against a, 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 a all-out pressing oh, well, 100%, football club like yeah. liverpool yeah um, and like so and another day like liverpool probably wins that game but like, also, you're just, you're yeah. going into that with a huge momentum shift at halftime, and Liverpool yeah. is playing with a man advantage, attacking the cop end in the second half, which is an uh, impossible task, nearly. Yeah, it, like Chelsea nine times out of ten, stepped up you, to the challenge. Yeah, nine times out of ten, you can see the penalty. Like that happens to you right at half. Most teams like crumble, crack. Like the mental fortitude, I think, of this Chelsea team is going to take them really far. Um. I, th- I think Harvey Elliott was another bright spot for, for Liverpool. Um, he's he really very, good. He like, looks very calm he's on really the ball. Good. The way the, his, his passing fortitude is unbelievable. Just the way watching him thread balls is just so much fun. Um, 
and and just the way he changes his tactics on the fly to open up different pockets on the field is just massive. Um, For an 18 year old, he's smart too. Cause with 18 year olds and young players, oftentimes I think their downfall is their positioning. And when Harvey Elliott doesn't have the ball, especially defensively, he's still in the right position, which is super promising. And he's just such a creative player. I think we're going to be saying his name a lot this year. Yeah. I think that's um, something to say about the Premier League because a lot of these like really young like English players like they play so much like past their age like with their maternity like maturity level like all a lot of the young ones that have made it at least in the English world already have not afraid of the big moments and are making these like they're not afraid to make this pass make this run they are showing up these like veteran players and I think Harvey Elliott's going to be another one of those players that gets called up and will definitely make a name for himself. Um, moving to the next match uh, this past <laughs> weekend, we're going to let Justin and Pat do a little bit of talking about the uh, City Arsenal game. I don't even know if there's that much to well, say about this game. Like, yeah, no, this I think is, we all saw is... it coming, didn't we? This wasn't surprising. I, the first five minutes were pretty good. I think yeah. we played great the first five I thought minutes, you guys but... came out looking very well. And then we but scored two goals. Yeah. And football you... is a game of 90 minutes. What? <laughs> um, I, the team selection was very weird. Everybody going into the game was like, all right, well, at least Pablo Murray can't start this game. Because if he does, we're going to get cooked. So uh, Matar said, was like, fine, I'll play the guy who tried to rip up his contract earlier this week, who's naturally a left back, play him in a back three with these other two center backs who just never really get time to play in a back three, along with Xhaka as like our like lone midfield with Odegaard and Smith Rowe making those runs up top, basically leaving him alone against you're going to Manchester city with one like single midfielder is just bad. I, we were, we were doomed <laughs> when that lineup was announced. Yeah. I, I didn't feel particularly convinced watching you at all um, <laughs> Sam, Sam. <laughs> I, I mean in, in fairness I thought City looked pretty good too oh, I thought our like... were really really dangerous our midfield looked so in control the entire game uh you you just didn't get near any of them Ferran Torres looked so so dangerous um I know he's not I know City wanted to sign a striker uh but I just think he's he's going to be a good player. He's going to score some important goals for us this year. Uh, it came out that he was getting coaching on how to make the runs that Pep wants from Aguero before Aguero left the club. So oh. it's not like he doesn't know how to play that central position. Yeah. Pep has come out and said like, this kid is a striker. Uh, and he really impressed me for us against you guys. Um, Everybody impressed. Against um, Definitely, the way City played, like I was watching the game, and it just—you could just tell, like they were just on autopilot, and they were just walking around us. Like, yeah, it, it felt like a training session. Like that's how good City are, and that's how bad we are. Like there were the—I don't even remember the possession stats. We were like in this this single like digits before the point. game ended. Yep. Yeah, it was literally we just couldn't uh, get the ball, and then Mikel like 
we're going in. We tried to press Ederson. We tried to press to keep like the fullbacks back and all that stuff. And then the second, the first goal scored, we just stopped. And there's a picture of Ederson. He like has the ball in his foot and just like there's like three Arsenal players just standing there. Like yeah, they're just staring at Ederson's him. Like you're, you're like you're gonna let me just do what I want. And it was it, just it, it, the game. The result felt like written on the wall after the first. Oh, 100 percent. I don't. I don't. I mean, think that's that... every. This is almost every Arsenal City game, though. Like, we have had results against other, like, the other big six teams. But for some reason, like, Pep, even when it was, like, when Unai was there, like, we just can't match up with City at all. You beat us in the FA Cup, and then Pep turned (laughs) into that Michael Jordan, and then I took that seriously meme, and it's just been downhill ever since for you guys against City. Um. I don't really like, think there's much else to say about the game, in all honesty. So, yeah, um, a really good team. I think team the that's red not card very good. was very stupid of him to do. Um, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans were complaining because earlier was when uh, Chambers got like pushed in the face, and then there was that second goal. But I'm also like, we they were going to score it again anyway. Like no matter what win against our way, like that game was over the second the game I don't like, started. Think that- the pushed in the face thing was a foul. I think he went to ground pretty easily anyway. Also, yeah, if you're like a center back and um, you're getting thrown like that off of like a free kick, like that's that's not a foul. Um, and the, the red card, Chamber, he, I felt it. He has might have been harsh. Had... No, he he has not been particularly good. I felt the red card might have been a little harsh, but then again, granted, Jaka jumped off both of his feet and just like it's the Jaka studs up. Like yeah. he, you Shaka being Shaka. I'm gonna talk about this and like uh, about Mikel Arteta, but you have to understand that this is what he's going to do one to three games per season, and you no- willingly accept like, especially when when we had David Luiz, it was the same thing. You're gonna have these players who do like they fit his system, do what he wants, but they will ultimately cost us at some point. And again, he has continued to show that he does not have the like maturity to keep his like he there was a good comparison that he has the mental like thinking of like Roy Keane, uh, Zidane, like all these hot-headed players, but they were able to get away with all this stuff because they when you tie they score goals, they do these stuff. Xhaka has constantly caught cost us points, uh, has shown but he's not up for the task of being the leader for this young core that we have. And that was one of the main reasons why uh, Mikel, like, he's backing him. is like, he's supposed to be this leader. There's, like, a famous quote he had where he was like, my mom gave me the keys, so I knew I was a leader. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, no. that's not, that's <laughs> not sure. it. That's sure. not it. Like, sure. I got the keys, uh, keys, keys. Exactly. Um, th- even Even if it wasn't, like – a yellow. I mean, even if it wasn't like a red, that's still like you shouldn't be making those tackles, knowing that you have been like you should know better as a player, he, especially he as a veteran leader. He should. Um, we'll uh, we'll get more into our uh, in, into Justin's therapy session after uh, <laughs> after we talk about the last uh, last kind of game of note of this weekend for me. Um, West Ham Crystal Palace. It was a 2-2, really fun game to watch. I don't know if anybody else was able to watch this one. Um, 
Antonio kept his form, uh, had a goal and assist, looked very, very good. I think Fornell scored the other goal, if I'm not mistaken. 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 And then uh, Connor Gallagher scored the other two goals uh, for for Palace. He looks like he's a great loan signing for them uh, on loan from Chelsea. Um, I just think West Ham is is a lot of fun to watch right now. Um, them getting yeah. the draw kind of took some wind out of the sails of of the three point train that they were on. But um, <laughs> no, I I'm I'm really happy for that side, and I think Zuma we we said it earlier adds a lot. So I'm excited to see him in in that squad uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm actually excited for I'm really Palace curious to, to see get, how they get a point there yeah. too. Yes, <laughs> Palace needed it. Yeah. Um, it was just a really good game through and through. I thought it was very aggressive, uh, back and forth. I think we mentioned that um, last week. You did, we yeah. Highlighted you, that. You, you said like this was going to be a real, like, really good, exciting end end game, and everybody was like, "What?" And, and it you, was uh, around the world. Uh, some shocking results um, in. Italy and Spain. Uh, Juve dropped. Uh, <laughs> Juve dropped uh, one nil to Empoli. Empoli is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, Empoli. You said it right. Um, Fiorentina. The purple boys, the big one-eyed, one-horde flying purple people eaters, uh, beat Torino two-one. Um, Atletico drew uh, with Villarreal two-two. Um, Tammy Abraham stayed hot in Italy. Uh, he had a, a goal and potentially an assist, uh, in the four, four nil win over Salern. Yep. That one. <laughs> Salernitana, I believe is how it's pronounced. <laughs> My mouth is not working today. No, I think you had it right the first time. Uh, and then, uh, Rangers beat. Uh, Celtic at the Ibrox. Old how, long Darby, think, baby. Uh, how long do you think he's going to stay at Rangers as their manager? Gerard? Yeah. I don't know if he goes to Liverpool right after he's done at Rangers, honestly. I think yeah. he probably needs to go to another big club before he's ready for Liverpool. I don't know if Liverpool is going to – I don't like that, like throwing like legends in too quick because you see what happened with like Lampard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's happened with a bunch of ex players, and I don't want that to happen yeah. to Gerard where he gets sacked. I want him to be ready, and I think that'll be ten years down the road. Yeah, yeah. I think what, I think what, yeah. I think we'll see a manager after Klopp, like an interim, like maybe Pep comes in and fills that role for a little bit. Um, <laughs> not Guardiola. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Linders. Uh, I think he'll end up taking it bad. I just saw the look you gave me. That's why I was laughing. <laughs> he, he's like, excuse me? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, Pep, I, I feel like we'll have a, a few years of Pep uh, before we see Gerard come in and take over the role. Um, if, you know, I if I had it my way. It's just meant to be at some point. It's just meant to be. Yeah. Um, we don't have much coming up this week. We it's have international break, isn't it? Yeah, we have World Cup Thanks. qualifying and <laughs> uh, MLS. 
USA, Canada, uh, the Revolution are really, really goddamn good. Stay hot. I think they will. Uh, Minnesota United is in a pretty bad run of form right now. We can't score a goal. I'm ready to sack Adrian. (laughs) I see Josh get mad on Twitter about Minnesota. Oh, it's infuriating. He's from he's from Everton, and he plays like he's from a small club. That, I mean, you can see the mentality is just built into him. It's infuriating to watch them sometimes. They played last week, two weeks ago, they played 150 minutes uh, a man with a man advantage because of red cards and didn't score once. You are uh, you're <laughs> experiencing a lot of scoreless advantages Yeah, lately. It's not fun. It's not fun. Um, okay. Right, yep. Time to join hands and let Justin talk. Let's sing Kumbaya. <laughs> Justin, lay down on the or, couch what, and, and tell us that, where what, the bad man touched you. What's that song? When Mikel like Arteta the, touched you. It's, oh, it's more than just him. Uh, what's the song when the Titanic sinking and they're all like... My heart will go on. Yeah. No, then maybe. But that's basically the vibe. Uh, so... Um, we talked about this beforehand in the notes. I said context, but no excuses. And Mitch was like, what do you mean by that? Um, at the start of the season, we looked at the schedule, the fixtures, and we're like, okay, three points out of those first three. It's probably not the worst because you're going up against the Champions League winners. And then literally next week, you want to go to Champions League Europe. Um, and in Brentford, you know, newly promoted new stadium. That was always going to be hard. And then as a manager, like, all right, I got to at least get something out of this game. I got to fix whatever has been going on with my club. How have we been playing? I got to turn this around. And to give him credit, when he almost got sacked before the Chelsea game uh, on, like, Boxing Day, where he played Smith Rowe, kind of started out, he did turn the season around. It was up to the point where Tierney got hurt in the Liverpool game that Liverpool beat us. That kind of, like, had our season kind of go back to where we were. Then eventually we lost to Villa Royale. But he did turn it around. And then this was a big moment. He got backed by the board. I think we spent the most in the Premier League. And then I'll talk about transfers in a second. Uh, but a lot of optimism going into the season. Like, okay, he got who we wanted out. He has who he has in. He has his project. Let's just – and a lot of Arsenal fans, we will take the pain. We'll take our beatings, but we will get better. The way I was looking at it was like when Klopp first joined Liverpool. Liverpool was kind of just like close to mid-table. They weren't really doing anything. Klopp came in the first couple of years. You guys kind of like you grew with Klopp. And eventually you trusted that process. Ended up winning Champions League. You ended up winning. Also, thank you again for beating Spurs. I will always, always love Liverpool for beating Spurs in the Champions League. I think you a both. shit game. It was a shit game, yeah. by the way. I don't care how bad that game was. They did not win the Champions I would have been on Suey season if, <laughs> if Tottenham Hotspur won the Champions League. Um, and then, what was I saying? Yeah. Then you ended up winning the Premier League, that whole thing. I was like, all right, if that's the model we're trying to go after, where we're just going after this process, I'm okay with it. And then COVID happens where we roll up the Brentford. We're missing – Lacazette, Bumming, all these other like starters. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Happens. The football we're playing with all this 
and all these injuries and stuff still shouldn't be acceptable. Like getting trounced five nothing in the city and having this player you should you could have gotten rid of because Roma wanted Jaka. Your so-called leader get a red card to leave these like this very young team plus up on the yang just to get massacred. I just it's very unacceptable. And uh, I think I have a quick question. Yeah. Uh, do you think you guys would do better or worse if you had like a Kleenex sponsor as your your kit sponsor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I they don't pay the, if they paid the stadium, then maybe because that's the only reason why it says Fly Emirates is because they're the ones that are they sponsor our stadium. Um, I'm I'm down for a cold wet night at the Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the eyebrows for the Kleenex. Um. But yeah, we had expectations. He's just you've Pat watched it when the city game. I've I don't know if either of you two have watched any of how we played so far. It's just bad football. There is no identity. We cannot attack and we just make these defensive errors that cost us. And it's just regardless who he has on the pitch, he should be able to adapt. Uh should be able to adapt. I was talking to another Arsenal fan, I was saying he a sign of a good manager is able to like change and deal with what you have to deal with and he just seems he's not up for the task and he is well and content of just using like oh you know I'm, i don't have these players you know all this other stuff and he says all the right things in the press conference to try to like win faith played um, five good minutes you did play five and chelsea we played like eight ten good minutes Brentford, we played like 20 good minutes, but yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely think he, Mikel Arteta, he has his own thing. Then there's Edu, who just can't do what a good director of football does. He has played a good part in signing like Thomas Partey and some of our other pretty good signings, but we still have so many players at this club that shouldn't be here. and. Just like last year, we might have to pay them to leave. Like we had to pay Ozo. We had Ozo had to like pay his way out. We had to pay him to leave. We had to pay Mustafi to leave. We sent Klosnak to Shaka, then who got relegated, and he comes back, and we're like, all right, well, we're still gonna get rid of him. He still ends up starting at Manchester City. Um, so there's him. He's not good at his job, and he was also friends with um Williams' agent we now have a bunch of his little posse still at the club with Cedric. Um, responsible for all those signings. And then there's also the Cronkies who I could go an hour, like a TED Talk. It could be how long I hate them. But I don't have really have any issues with them this time because they backed us. We, Like I said, we've spent the most money in this like cancer window. They have backed Mikel Arteta and backed Edu. And we are still, we are dead last after three games with no goals scored. Um, I think one of the big problems <laughs> is that they, I don't know how good they are at judging talent, to be honest. And I think this is an Arteta problem, but also an Edu problem with sending Saliba out on loan. He's probably one of your better defenders if he's in the I'm, team. Yeah. Um, I'm so and then you, you have guys up. like, <laughs> yeah, the player management too. It's just like, you have guys like Ainsley Maitland-Niles who are begging to leave and you're not letting him. I think the, it's oh, yeah. like a 
the club needs an overall overhaul um, from top to bottom. Yeah. When Wenger left, uh, the way Wenger, like the club was run, Arsene Wenger was everything. He ran, he was pretty much in charge of all the signings, all this other stuff. He had the scouts do that stuff and all this other, like other tasks that he obviously can't do. But he was like, it was a one-man show. When he left, they were like, okay, we're not going to have this system anymore. We're going to have Unai Emery be the coach. We're going to have I, uh, these other key players help Unai. And I also think when you said like player management, player identification, that also just getting the right board and the people in charge has been terrible. Like we got Sven, I'm trying to remember how to say his last name, but the Borussia Dortmund scout that like got Aubameyang there, all this other like really good talent for Dortmund, we brought him in expecting like, okay, we're going to get all these young, exciting players. We're going to follow this Dortmund model. And he went, I don't know if it was like the player, like um, identification, the way we're doing it, where we're trying to sign these veterans to kind of like put band-aids over where we were missing some players. Like when we signed Socrates, Mkhitaryan was another one of those players, just like get these veteran guys just to see if they can help us. That clearly didn't work. And then he left and then Gazidis left. And then when Arteta became, he was like head coach with, Edu, director of football, and Rahul Seleni. I'm trying to remember how to say this one. They were all in charge. He was the one that got the Pepe deal done. Then he ended up getting sacked because there was some corruption. There's just been it's this giant clown car that's just driving in a circle. And the Cronkies are the ones who are just like with the remote control. And they're just like, this is good because it's just making them money from everybody. Just like watching it burn. So um, you mentioned, in, yeah. In your ideal world, what happens this season for Arsenal? Um, I mean, I think going into the season, I was like, top, we have to make the top six again, it, whether it be sixth, fifth, best case scenario, fourth. I was like, we have to get back to Europe. Um, that's probably not going to happen now. Um, I, what I really hope, because I want, I wanted Arteta to receive. I wanted him to replace Unai. I thought he was going the one, because the signs were there. Studied under Pep for a couple years. Club captain knows the club. Arson loved him. Like ticked all the boxes, and he came in and kind of fixed it a little bit. He, when Unai was here, he was just kind of like we were very easy to play against. And to give Arteta credit, when we when he came in, Arsenal were really hard to break down. We would still have those individual errors, like either giving away a penalty or just miscommunication. But for the most part, we played pretty well. And then since he's kept our defense back up, we lost the way to attack, which is important to win games. <laughs> and then so last season, I'm trying to figure all that out. Um, so I would love for him to turn it around. I really do. But... I definitely see him not surviving till Christmas. The latest, I because they waited a while with Emery, and I know they regret that, the people in charge. But he's been heavily invested, and I think they're going to give him time. After the City game, I thought they should have sacked him, like, the next day because I thought that was, that was it. I think that's not going to get any better. Um, and the more I thought about it, as we have all these players coming back, uh, he still hasn't gotten to use the 11 he just bought. 
So I'm hoping it clicks for him. He has a good run of games coming, but we need to look good. And he need, we need to get results. If he's not perfect, he's going to get sacked. And I think just to kind of sum up how Arsenal is doing, when you mentioned Saliba, we had this perfect like solution to one of our issues is a good center back that can help grow and then be a prominent spine in our team. And just because Arteta's weird man management stuff just doesn't like him, sends him off again on loan. And then that, in consequence, gives us us starting players like Pablo Marie, who's going to be in the club, giving Rob holding a contract extension. He's still not good enough to be starting. Uh, Cedric Suarez, why is he at the club? Like, getting rid of these players who had the potential to take us forward and back to where we should be and going with these players who are just not up for it, it's just costing us. And I think it's just not going to get better it's going to get a lot worse until we even get close to where we should be okay one last question before we head to our uh our closing segment we're going to do some some top lads and hair dryers again this week yeah where does our arsenal finish this year um i still think regardless of Arteta gets sacked or if we bring in someone else, I still think we can make the top 10. I really like the transfer window we had. Um, I know some of the the prices for some of these players gets talked about a lot, um, but that's a future debate. But the player profile has been spot on for what we need, which is building a young core of players that can fit in and can grow with this team. Um, cause like I said earlier, uh, hold up, we hold up. If you've made it this far into the podcast as host myself, I'd like to apologize for the slight disturbance. It's because my laptop is a piece of shit and died. I apologize for any inconveniences this might have caused. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, uh, you were talking about where are yeah. I want them to finish. Top 10. Um, I think they will. Top 10. I like the transfer window. We addressed a lot of the issues, uh, made some pretty good signings. I think signing Nuno Tavares was a good one because finding someone who wants to play under Tierney was a really hard fi- thing to find and getting someone who's young. He's pretty raw, um, but he's. I think he has all the tools that can grow into a good uh, left back. Our newest signing, I think he's going to be a good uh, fit in the system. I actually kind of like the Ramsell signing now, um, seeing how Leno is definitely not going to be here next year. I know a lot of people were saying, like, you're spending this much on a backup, but the way you look at it, he's not going to be the backup. And Odegaard is probably our best signing. Uh, I think he's going to be an influential figure for the club. He, him and Tierney might be captain, either of the two after Aubameyang goes. And Lukonga, very, I think, can be a gem, too. He started for – he didn't start for Belgium, but he came off the bench for Belgium today in a World Cup qualifier and looked pretty good. Um, so we have that along with these, you know, Bakayo Saka, Camille Smith-Rowe, Gabriel Martinelli, Thomas Partey, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel. 
Like we have the pieces. I think we just need our Ted, our Ted needs to figure out how to use them or get someone who's going to come in and get us to where we need to go. And um, you need I to roll just a talent tape. alone should carry us. Yes. <laughs> also, just people to get not stop getting COVID. Like this is our like fifth player, I think, to get COVID. <laughs> Worst well, case scenario this year, you're going to have a hell of an Amazon documentary. Yeah, that is so excited to watch that. I, I think my favorite episode will probably be when Arteta gets sacked because that one's just going to be top. So top Justin, match. Justin, in closing, how's how is your how is your therapy session? Do you feel good about? Uh, getting all that weight off of your chest. I felt like I rambled. Um, but that was you, much... you absolutely fucking did, but you're an <laughs> Arsenal fan. It's okay. <laughs> um, there's definitely more I could just spew. Um, we're down bad. We're down really bad right now. Down horrendous. The, the gunners down. are are down freaking bad. It's freaking bad, guys. I think... I, I, I hope they end up yeah. top 10. I really do. I hope the transfer window helps you out. But I think it's I it's like it. code five red alert right now. Yeah. I And everybody was like thinking at last little point, like, okay, if Arteta gets sacked, Conte is going to come in. He's, who wants, he's not going to come first. No. Definitely Why would, not. He wants to win now. He's not going to come be Rob Holden's manager. Like, I think my ideal grandpa getting Graham Potter in would be a dream. I would love him. I love how Brighton plays, and I think we would do really well with someone who's like wanting to work with the young talent that we have. That's a good point. Gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for top lads and hair dryers of the week. Justin, where you're our guest, would you care to to send us into the stratosphere with your hair dryer and your top lad of the week? I would love to. Um, my top lads lads are Matteo Guendouzi and William Saliba because they played both played very well and are getting on very well at Marseille. Credit to them when both their careers were just kind of being put on hold because a Lego haired manager just didn't see their, their quality. Um, and they're just loving life there. Like Pat mentioned last week with the, with the fight, Gwen Doozy had like so a choke mark. I so love him. Sick. So I love him. I know he's not ours anymore, but I just love him. Um, but yeah, then I think he got called up to the France squad this week and Saliba, I think made their like under 23s. So my, my sons are thriving. Not at my club, but I'm just glad they're thriving at Marseille. And and who isn't thriving? Who deserves the hair dryer treatment? Um, I was gonna have it be the Premier League refs, but today Edison Cavani gave up his number to Ronaldo, and I just thought that was kind of just a a very weak move on his part because I think Cavani is well respected in the game in the football to be like to at least be like, dude, like. I'm here now. Ronaldo also probably forced him to. Held a gun to his forehead. I, I just think <laughs> Bruno holding him down. Harry Maguire just weak. sitting on his feet. No, he's probably in the stands talking to some girl again, like that meme when he's like, <laughs> I like to think, uh, yeah, and he's just smiling. 
You're going to be number 21 this year, Edison. Yeah. <laughs> we sold Dan James just for you. <laughs> you want to know why he left? I made him leave. This is I, my ma- I did this for you. I'm the captain now. Uh, Justin, what do you what do you got? Nothing. Justin, I think you mean Josh. Yeah, because I just wrong Jay. So my top line. My mouth week. doesn't fucking work, guys. I told you this earlier. Neither does my brain. My top lad of the week is Rafa Benitez. He got a lot of stick when he uh, got announced at Everton just because he's a you know former Liverpool manager that's won trophies across Merseyside. Um, and he's absolutely just put it back in all the Toffees faces, seven points in three games. Uh, I think Everton looked pretty sharp. Uh, Calvert-Lewin's been been balling. Everton, you know, they're, they're playing well, playing offensively. I like to see them on the attack. Um, once they get rid of Richarlson – because he's the most toxic player in the Premier League. Once they reinvest that money, uh, they'll be looking pretty good, in my opinion. Now, crossing Merseyside, I'm getting to my hairdryer. Uh, it's John Henry, owner of Liverpool, also owner of the Boston Red Sox. Um, and not because he didn't spend in the transfer window. You know, We did get Ibrahima Kanate, which is a good signing. I wish we could have got another midfielder to replace Jeannie Wijnaldum and an attacker that's not named Divock Origi or Takumi Minamino. Um, but I'm mad at him because he's completely out of touch with the club. He's an old dinosaur that doesn't understand soccer or uh, what Liverpool's all about. And what really made me mad is that on deadline day, he announced or had the club announced Jordan Henderson's contract extension, which is a completely disrespectful move to the captain of our club who's been here for 10 years. I absolutely hate that from a club perspective, a PR perspective. Uh, it just shambles all around. And then you ana- announce Nat Phillips uh, signed an extension as well later in the day. And it's just putting it back in Liverpool fans faces that, you know, Liverpool's making a profit and they're just choosing not to sign anyone, but announce contract extensions that can be announced on literally any single day of the year. Um, The last thing that needs to happen um, in this scenario is Linda Henry to buy the Liverpool echo uh, Mm -hmm. and control the media like she does in Boston with the Boston globe. So well done, John and Linda, you can fuck back off. (laughs) Nice. Well said. Uh, Pat, what what are you you there? I think mine is better saved for the end of the episode because okay. it's a very current event. Fine. I will go next then. Uh, I think I think this this top lad deserves a lot of respect for the amount of tweets that he put out, the live stream that he had. I think he was hosting like 50K at one point on Twitch during deadline day. Fabrizio Romano, you know, came go. out of the woodwork. This man is working hard. Here we while go. Hardly working. This man uh, deserves the top lad in every form of the word during deadline day, especially this deadline day that we just had. Um, it was it was a buzzing day. It, there was a lot going on. So did anybody see that his girlfriend had a Louis Vuitton tattoo in that stream on her arm? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't <laughs> notice it. That's so good. That's so Oh my sick. goodness. I fucking love that. Hey, Pat's going to go out and get one now. Watch out. I'm going to get Supreme <laughs> tattooed on my forehead. Uh, that, that's what I thought in my head, but I didn't say it. I knew it was coming. 
Um, and then my hair dryer this week is the entire Iceland soccer federation board uh, for trying to cover up a sexual assault. Uh, not cool. They all resigned uh, after facing the backlash. Um, unbelievable. Honestly, they like, I don't know if any of you guys heard about this, but like one of the board members or the president of the federation went on TV and said, no, I don't know anything about this. Like it never happened. Is, is and this then, related to Gilfie Seagerson at all? There's that. There's uh, it's it's uh, I'm blanking on the striker. It's from 2017 is when it okay. like That's started. But like it's just coming to light now. That's not good. That like in there, like the board came out and said, like, we we don't know anything about this. They were just trying to sweep it under the rug. So fuck them. Be a million a million hair dryers yeah. for them. Hundred percent. Just light them on fire. That's facts. That's facts. Another group of people we can light on fire. Not literally. That'd be fucked up. But anyway, um, <laughs> great, great segue into my my top lad in my hair dryer because today, today of all days, I need to pull the date up on my phone. Thursday, September second. There was a World Cup qualifier that happened today, and it was Hungary, and it was England. My top lad is Raheem Sterling because he loves scoring on fucking racists. And my hairdryer is the entire country of Hungary because your fans are racist. (laughs) And that's all I will say. Raheem Sterling was fouled in the box, did not get a call, went to stand up, and was greeted by monkey noises from the entire Hungarian fan section behind the goal. Be better, do better. There's no place for that in our game. Fuck y'all. Up Raheem Sterling. He likes to score on racists. And that's all I will say. boy. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? We didn't have a we hot went... take for next, next week. That's my closing oh, thought. Oh, I can't wait to hear this spice. Um, <laughs> we covered a lot today. This is a long episode. Uh, I think just with the sheer amount of transfers and big name players moving around this, this window, I think it was necessary to touch on a lot. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on today, Justin, and airing your grievances yeah. about your club. I loved it. Loved very it. Happy uh, to have you. Very, happy, very happy to have you. I, I was rambling a little bit. I lost Wi-Fi, so I'm on my phone, so I didn't have my, like, my Google Notes, so I was just kind of coming off the top. So next time, I'll make sure I got my notes. So it's yeah, like this whole, point, this point, whole point, episode point. was off the cuff for me already. Yeah. <laughs> get <laughs> get your shit together, it. Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure log off, I'll be back. So we will, uh, we will close it up here. Again, thanks for listening this far in. Episode technically three, but four after the pilot of uh the main stand uh we appreciate you give it us give us a like share it with your friends uh subscribe Please. to us wherever uh, you do listen to your podcasts and we will see you next week hopefully maybe have a safe <laughs> labor day everyone stay hydrated have a good time this weekend hell yeah i'll be in boston so pray for me and pray for the amtrak i'm gonna get on <laughs> peace see you guys